Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning. And welcome to Dirt Radio. It is, of course, Friends of the Earth, Melbourne's weekly program on 3CR, Community Radio 855am. My name's M Gaither, I'm your host for today, and we are broadcasting live from the Kulin Nations and right across the stolen lands of so-called Australia via 3cr.org.au. And I'd like to pay my respects to all elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that so often it is First Nations people on the front lines of the environmental issues we talk about on this show. Of course, there can be no climate justice without First Nations justice and sovereignty of these lands were never ceded. And today I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Anna Langford. How's it going today? Oh boy, Um, well, we've just been thrown a bit of a major curveball literally right before stepping into the studio. Um, we've just heard that Premier Andrews has announced that the Victorian government will be lifting the ban on conventional offshore gas exploration from July 2021, um, which is really, um, really disappointing one day after a state of emergency being declared because of the COVID-19 crisis. And um, we were literally just talking about this last night in our first Zoom meeting for Act on Climate about how there hasn't been proper community consultation done. And now that um, the coronavirus is putting a ban on um, public gatherings it will mean there won't be able to be community consultation done for a while. So, yeah, mm. it's um, it's really disappointing to see that from the Premier. Absolutely. It's so disappointing, especially when, you know, under a state of emergency, we kind of put our faith and trust into the government to be doing what's best for us and then, you know, kind of making this decision without correct community consultation in such a, a fragile time. It's pretty sad to see. So I guess uh, we'll stay tuned for Friends of the Earth's response to this as it's just a incredibly breaking news just this morning. So you might have heard it here first. Dirt Radio breaking the stories for you this morning. It is a really weird time out there at the moment and I hope everyone's keeping safe, washing your hands, practicing good social distancing, all of that good stuff. Um, today we're not going to be talking about that. We are going to be talking about... Offshore wind projects in Australia. So this is a bit of an emerging industry and it has a potential to change the renewable energy landscape. And the federal government has just closed its consultation on the National Offshore Wind Framework. Today on the show, we'll be chatting with Pat Simons from Friends of the Earth's Yes to Renewables campaign to give us an overview of the offshore wind framework as it stands. And we'll also be chatting with Penny Howard, the research, a researcher with the Maritime Union of Australia, about just transitions and to get a union perspective on onshore wind developments. 
there is lots to listen to. So we're going to be hearing all about it after this community service announcement. Stick around. Viruses like flu and coronavirus spread when tiny droplets from coughs and sneezes land on surfaces that others touch. You can help reduce this risk by coughing or sneezing into your elbow or upper arm or use a tissue and put the tissue in the bin straight after. Then wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. You are listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR. This is Em. I'm here with my co-host Anna in the studio and we are joined by Pat Simons from Yester Renewables to chat about the development of offshore wind in Australia. Thanks so much for joining us today, Pat. Morning, Em. So we haven't seen any offshore wind projects in Australia as of yet. Why is that? Yeah, that's right. So historically, most of the development in renewables has been in onshore wind and solar. And, you know, that kind of makes sense seeing we're such a large country and, you know, very wealthy in those resources. Uh, But a couple of years ago, there was this big announcement um, for the proposal of the Star of the South offshore wind farm uh, off the coast of Gippsland, Gippsland South. And you know, this this uh, particular project itself could be a game changer for the energy system here in Victoria. Uh, it could power about 1.2 million homes of clean renewable energy, create thousands of jobs, um, you know, potentially develop new manufacturing opportunities in Gippsland, which is really important when that, that region is also going through a transition away from fossil fuels and reliance on coal and gas. So, that's that's kind of where things started in the last couple of years. Uh, but what we've seen as well is the federal government kind of going really slow in um, taking leadership on the development of this emerging industry, which is such a big economic opportunity for regional Australia. Uh, and that's taken a bit of a turn recently with the um, development of a national offshore wind framework, which is just really the f- first basic step that the government needs to do to start work on this whole new sector. Mm. So, yeah, it does seem like there's a bit of an opportunity considering the kind of scale of things with the offshore wind. So you mentioned the National Offshore Wind Framework and the consultation phase is just closed for that. So tell us a bit about that whole process. Yeah, sure. So what we when the Star of the South was first uh, proposed, uh, one of the issues was that there was no actual legislation, no laws, no policy that would actually enable the government to even approve uh, a new project. So that was really delaying the creation of this new industry that is really important for action on climate change. So, um, you know, the unions, uh, as well as us and some other groups have been putting putting pressure on the federal government to actually, you know, get off, you know, stop being so slow on this and actually be proactive and develop some some laws and some regulations for this new sector. And so over the summer, um, yeah, the federal government, um, you know, just quietly announced that they're developing this national offshore wind framework. And that's just been going on in the background for the last couple of months. And so we've been working with um, with unions and with other climate and environment groups to figure out, you know, what are the key issues here and what do we need to do to make this industry the best it can possibly be? How do we make it work for the just transition and ensure justice for workers in, you know, oil and gas who might be shifting to offshore wind? And yeah, how do we actually just get out in front at the start of this whole new sector and 
make sure that it's actually the best that it can possibly be for everybody. Mm, absolutely. And something I guess we see often with renewable energy is that um, actually communities are really, they really like it. And it's something that really resonates with people in terms of moving away from some of those dirty polluting industries like coal. How would you say that community have communities have been responding to offshore wind so far? Yeah, that's a really good question. So last year, um, when there was a bunch of consultation around this particular project, um, I was doing a bit of time just traveling in Gippsland and, you know, meeting people at the consultation um, processes. And I would say that in general for, for at this at the start of this, the, the community's response is really positive. I think people can see that this is like a really big opportunity for the region to kind of create a new source of jobs uh, and to invest in yeah, sustainable employment opportunities. People can see that you know, the writing is on the wall for particularly for coal in the Latrobe Valley and that, that can be a source of anxiety for people. But I think when people see something that's visionary, that's positive, they can see, oh, there is actually a specific um, job that we can create or, um, you know, lead on in this, in this region. It feels a bit more concrete and real to people rather than just saying, hey, why haven't you um, transitioned away from fossil fuels yet? So we really see this as an opportunity to really deliver for the communities that, uh, you know, are going to face more economic difficulty when transitioning away from fossil fuels. Mm, absolutely. And so, um, you know, you mentioned that Yes to Renewables has been working with other environment groups and unions and wanting to get some sort of tangible outcomes for those communities. What are the kind of things that um, Yes to Renewables and Friends of the Earth have been advocating for in this consultation phase? Yeah. So with the framework, one of the key problems is the government is really putting, what they've put on the table is really bare bones. Like it's it's really a a hands-off market-led approach um, where developers just come to them and say, hey, we've got this proposal and now we're going to do work on it. They're really not putting action on climate change at the centre of the development of this new industry. Um, you know, they need to actually develop a proper strategy and plan for how the industry will be built. You know, this is going to involve the creation of new manufacturing industries, uh, it creates an opportunity to have a direct transition pathway for people out of fossil fuels into um, offshore renewable energy, uh, training opportunities, uh, you know, even just deciding like where are the places that we will choose to develop this and how do we research, you know, the, the marine environments that are most appropriate for offshore wind. There are all of these really complex uh, questions that they really need to work more diligently on. And if we look at, at the overseas experience in Denmark or in the New York State or the UK, we've seen governments take a much stronger lead on developing offshore wind. And yeah, so the the federal government's approach of, oh, we're just going to wait and see what private companies come up with is just, it's just not what's necessary given the scale of the problem of climate change. Mm, absolutely. And I guess also too from that just transitions framework, you know, um, the market aren't always going to put workers first. So yeah. I guess it's important to include that kind of um, those provisions and not just let the private interests kind of take over. Absolutely. So you mentioned Star of the South and a little bit about that project before. Where is that currently at in its sort of development phase? Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, about a year or two ago, the federal government basically greenlit a exploration license for the project, and that enables the company to go and do basic 
uh, environmental studies where they they look at wind resource speed, like the wind speed. Um, they start to study the the seabed and what the ecosystems are there, and you know how to how to best you know mitigate any potential impact on ecosystems. So that's what they're currently doing at the moment. They've basically got a bunch of boys out <laughs> um, in the water um, off the coast of Gippsland South, like just east of Yarram. And so, yeah, they're basically doing their first step of environmental monitoring before they can really start to work on the complex design. So it's still quite early stages. Um, event, you know, after a year or two, they'll be able to actually say this is the design of the project. Uh, and that's when they'll be able to go back to government and seek approval. So there's still quite a bit of time for it to be developed. Um, but at the moment, there's also a bunch of consultation that's happening with people in the region around, yeah, the development of the project and um, possible transmission routes and stuff like that. So there is quite a bit happening. Mm. It's uh, exciting times with new things on the horizon and good to see that, you know, we've got a proactive stance into making sure it's the best it can be. You're on 3CR. This is M. I'm chatting with Pat Simons about offshore wind and its future in Australia. We're just going to go to a quick community service announcement. And after that, we'll be chatting with Penny Howard from the Maritime Union of Australia. Underneath the ground at the Olympic Dam mine, there is an old sleepy lizard. BHP is mining right into that lizard named Kulta and it's not so sleepy anymore. Yo, frog and lizard, I really know the mining companies gotta go. The Lizard Returns Protestival 2020. Uncle Kev is putting out the call. This is an invitation to all people and protectors of the land and waters to get involved in the creation of Autonomous Zone as we move for peace and justice. BYO, your own creative response to the nuclear industry and BHP's water theft. Keep an eye on the Lizard Revenge page on Facebook or check out our website for history and info and updates on the lizardbitesback.net. The Lizard Returns Protestable, the 3rd to the 6th of July, Arabana Country. See you there. A 3CR supporter. Tree Project are a Melbourne-based organisation that have been replanting Indigenous trees in Victoria for 30 years now, and we need your help. You can become a Tree Project member, a seedling grower in your own backyard, or organise your friends to do a planting day. If you're a landholder in rural Victoria and would like to restore habitat on your land, Tree Project is keen to help out. We also offer sponsorship opportunities and take work teams for a planting day. Visit treeproject.org.au to learn more. A 3CR supporter. You're on 3CR. This is M, and I'm joined today by my co-host Anna Langford in the studio. Hey, Anna. Hey, still here. And we've got Pat Simons joining us in the studio as well. We're here for Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's weekly campaign updates and uh, aligned show. We are joined now on the phone by Penny Howard from MUA. Thanks for joining us, Penny. Thank you. So to start with, can you tell us a bit about the MUA and how you're showing leadership on climate change? 
Yeah. Um, for anyone who's not sure what the MUA is, it's the Maritime Union of Australia. Um, we're a union that represents dock workers, seafarers and other port maritime workers uh, all across Australia and are part of international federations of unions that do the same thing. Um, about a year and a half ago, um, we picked up on the Friends of the Earth's campaign around the, um, the Star of the South wind farm in Victoria and um, realised that that was going to be um, a really important um, opportunity for our members to work in a future low emissions economy, um, but also that that politically, um, that that was a really important way to be able to um, participate in the climate movement um, by looking ahead to what the future jobs are and making sure that those jobs are going to be good union jobs um, and that people working in the fossil fuel industry um, can transition to those jobs along with making them uh, the right programs to make them more widely available to women, Aboriginal worker and other marginalised groups like we try to do with every uh, one of our um, of our workplaces. Um, and that approach has been endorsed. We just had our union's national conference up in the Gold Coast at the beginning of March, um, where we got overwhelming support from the membership um, workers, from um, workplace leaders, union delegates from all across Australia, right through all the coal export ports in Queensland and New South Wales, the offshore oil and gas industry in Victoria and in um, in West Australia, basically saying that, you know, they they support this approach. They want to have a future for their kids. They want their kids to be able to continue uh, working in um, good unionised industries. Uh, we want a strong maritime industry in Australia, and this is the kind of solution to how we can um, get there for our industry and our, uh, our workers and our unions. Yeah, that's great to see and great to see such a, a widespread of those um, workers getting behind the the switch over to this industry. So you did mention, um, you know, just transition in there, but how specifically does the MUA see the offshore wind industry in impacting the just transitions? Um, well, we have a lot of members right now who work in the offshore oil and gas industry and everybody's pretty keenly aware um, that that's not an industry that can go on forever. It's going to have to. It's going to have to shut down. Um, and the skills of workers in that industry are really directly transferable to offshore wind. It's all the same seafaring skills. It's all the same skills of building giant things in the water. Um, so workers should be able to transition into an offshore wind industry pretty smoothly. Um, and it's something, obviously, that we need for the grid in Australia. Um, and I do think there's a bit of um, scepticism around the place about, you know, do we really need offshore wind? Why can't we um, build, you know, use wind resources that are that are onshore? But there are some good reasons supporting um, an offshore wind industry in Australia. And there's been a really interesting report that's been just put out by the International Energy Agency that basically looks to the broader system level benefits um, that offshore wind can provide. They call it basically variable baseload so that it's um, that basically because the wind is so much more consistent, um, much less variable than wind onshore, less variable during the day than than solar energy, uh, that you can really use it as a, um, a very stable source of power. You can build big projects 
at a big scale. You can reuse um, existing transmission infrastructure that's being freed up by coal-fired power plants closing down. Um, and all of our population lives right along the coast, so you can save on the costs of um, building a lot of transmission out into regional areas, um, which is a big bottleneck right now that I'm sure mm-hmm. Pat can fill you in on. Yeah. Um, so all of those things are important reasons um, why it's worth investing in, but I think it's important for us to identify that the reason that's not been seen as an option in Australia is because we haven't had an overall look at what a transition in Australia would look like um, from from the government. So even though we've got this new integrated system plan coming out of the electricity market operator, um, they're really still only looking at the costs of individual projects, comparing the costs of individual projects and not looking at what's the best way of transitioning our electricity system as a whole. And you've got to kind of really have that big picture look and you've got to have targets about how to get there and how quickly you need to get there, which again is not something um, that they're doing either. Mm, Absolutely. And so when you're looking at that kind of big picture approach through that lens, what are some of the risks that you can see associated with the potential offshore wind industry or areas that, you know, as the union, you might need to be holding them to account? Um, Risks for, um, sorry, what do you, what do you mean by risks? Yeah, I guess just, you know, some of the areas that, um, you know, potentially there might be some issues uh, coming up for the offshore wind industry um, in terms of your workers, I guess, uh, where the unions might need to step in and hold them to account. For example, um, we were talking with Pat about off air about Noxema being the regulator for the industry and how that might be an issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the government's put forward some draft. Uh, well, they haven't put forward the draft legislation, but they've put forward a proposal for what an offshore, the regulation of an offshore wind industry would look like. Um, and we've got some concerns around that proposal because, again, they're taking a very hands-off approach. They're very explicitly saying, we're not going to encourage this industry, we're not going to try and coordinate this industry or plan this industry, but if private companies want to go ahead and build an offshore wind um, project, then we'll allow them to do that, uh, which is really um, very very disappointing approach, but unfortunately one that's uh, pretty typical of this of this government. Um, so what they're doing is they're actually saying, well, we've already got a regulator for the offshore petroleum industry. Why don't we just let them deal with the regulation of a future offshore wind industry? Um, and that's massively problematic, uh, both from the perspective of workers but also I think from, you know, I reckon a lot of environmentalists out there would not be too keen on, on that idea as well. Mm, absolutely. And so um, if, was there any recommendations that you think that state governments can do to support the offshore wind industry and the workers? Well, um, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's all about looking at what's our, what's our plan, uh, what's our transition plan and what's the role of government in actually uh, planning that, but not just doing the planning, also actually coordinating what the financing is going to look like, what the investment um, is going to look like, and actually setting some really clear um, uh, targets and plans around doing that. You know, they should actually be building this stuff, um, not just setting up, you know, a shop front and saying, 
do any private companies want to come ahead and build this? And I think what we've seen in the past few days where, you know, the government is able to really all of a sudden find $15 billion for an economic stimulus package shows that the capacity of government to actually do these things is there and they can (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. when they recognize that there's that there's a crisis. So we've still got a little bit of a ways to go to um, make the argument about the climate crisis requiring that kind of action Mm. as well. Um, But I think politically uh, what's been demonstrated to us is that governments can do that. And why couldn't they do that? You know, why couldn't stimulus money um, be spent on actually building uh, the renewable energy infrastructure that we need? Mm, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Penny. And it's amazing to hear what the MUA are up to um, in supporting uh, workers and kind of getting on board with this new industry. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, so I just want to say a big thank you before we say goodbye. So thanks, Penny. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thanks, Penny. Bye. Okay, thanks, Pat. Bye. So, of course, if you've just joined us, you can always catch up on the conversation at 3cr.org dot au slash dirt radio and this show of course we've been chatting with penny from the mua and if you're interested in hearing how foe's been connected with the union movement and doing solidarity uh, along those lines over the years you can tune into our episode of our retrospective history series acting up at 3cr.org.au slash acting up where we talked about anti-capitalism uh, and solidarity with dave karen cam walker and dimity hawkins um, so you can check that one out Now, this is usually the time of the show where we quickly run through our events section. Um, Of course, you'll be aware that we are indeed in the midst of a pandemic with COVID-19 cases growing across Victoria and Australia. So the advice we're receiving from medical professionals and lessons from overseas is that we need to social distance and isolate. And we need to do it now to try and flatten the curve. So at Friends of the Earth, we're going to be trying our best to look out for our community And keep each other safe by not holding uh, many events. So you might see that a lot of events we've had coming up in the next few weeks will be cancelled. So check out our Facebook page to have a look as many of our collectives are going to be also taking their weekly meetings online as well. And Anna, you were at an Act on Climate meeting last night um, via Zoom. Yeah, so it's kind of uncharted territory, but um, yeah, first meeting on Zoom last night, which we'll be doing for at least the next couple of weeks. If anyone would like to join in those, they're welcome to message us through the Facebook page. And um, for those that were following the Act on Climate Facebook page, um, you would have been aware that this entire week was meant to be um, our week of action to call on the state government to set science-based emission reduction targets um, and so obviously we've we've had to cancel um, all of those events because they all involved um, social gatherings and so um, just stand by for online actions and um, things you can do from home um, that we'll be announcing soon and calling on people to join in. Yeah, that's it. It is all a bit up in the air at the moment. Um, and so the best thing to do is just check out our Facebook page, keep updated with all of our campaigns from the digital space. Uh, and that's just about all we have time for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Dirt Radio. Thanks again to our guests, Pat Simons and Penny Howard. Until next time, we'll be here next Tuesday once again. Stay tuned for the Career Survival Show. Today we're going to be going out on a song by The Breeders. This one is called Off You. You are on 3CR.
say 